0: Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. We are a brand new podcast that dives into the stories of people's lives. Everyday people like you and me, or even famous people throughout history. We will even tackle the fictional from time to time, too. But we also want to get you, the listener, involved. We want to hear your stories. Things that may have happened to you, a friend, a family member, or even a random neighbour of yours. Something funny, something random, something awkward. Let's just try and avoid the sad stuff, shall we? Send your stories to thetrueandthefictional at gmail.com. Send it in writing, an audio clip, or even request to come on the show. Just make sure it's actually true, because that's what makes a story so interesting. Until we have a nice collection of stories from you, the listener, we're going to dive into some of the entertaining true stories from modern history and beyond. So strap in, especially if you're driving, it's story time.
1: Hello and welcome to episode three, this time there's no Ryan. It's Chris. How are you, Chris? Chris. Huh, <laughs> doing good. <laughs> he's, he's getting ready for war. <laughs> uh, we're talking war. <laughs> true, true You're stories. you true, true, true story. Well, oh, I have put some American stories in there too. It's what right. is it
2: good for?
1: Absolutely not. Well, it's good for this podcast because we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um. Look, we're just going to crack straight into it. The first thing we're going to talk about, because we are indeed from the land of Australia, we have to talk about one of the greatest wars ever fought in all Is of Australian history.
2: one of the greatest wars ever fought when it was essentially, by all reckonings, a defeat?
1: No. But I was just trying to milk it for them. But it was. I mean, let's not, let's not pull hairs here. <laughs> it was a defeat. Oh, yeah, no, no. We lost. We lost the war. We lost the war. Albeit, it was three Australians taking on twenty thousand soldiers of the bird variety. Of <laughs> the <laughs> we'll
2: flightless bird, okay, flightless. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget flightless bird variety. <laughs> so they didn't—they didn't even bring air superiority into the war. <laughs> no, but
1: they probably could have given enough time.
2: What learned
1: to fly? Well, if they, you know, defeated. <laughs> If they defeated Australian military without even using a weapon, you know. I,
2: but again, if that—that that is, I mean, obviously that's the case. I don't yeah. know
1: how they didn't. I don't know how we haven't sought vengeance upon this particular defeat. Well, they, they, they did. And I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So basically, yes, in 1932, we. Uh, declared war on 20,000 emus, it was, it was the middle of a drought it was the Great Depression and farmers crops were getting destroyed by these emus so they went to the government the government went, well you know most of you are retired war vets from World War One. um, yes we will help you out so they got some Lewis machine guns set them up fired into a pack of emus and yeah none of them died, um <laughs> So that's uh, quite a victory right there.
2: The question I have to ask, though, and it's not one that's ever going to be answered, <laughs> how drunk were they? The soldiers? Yes. Now, <laughs> were they drinking so heavily that, you know, they might have been firing at the birds, just at, at a hill near them?
1: No, well, I, maybe they didn't think about the tactics because they saw a flock of emus... They open fire on a flock of emus, And if... And, you know, like pigeons or any other bird, what do they do when, you know, something gets fired at them? Oh, they scatter. They scatter like nothing else. But, I mean...
2: When you go duck hunting, you don't go, oh, my God, there's ducks. They're, they're, they're invincible. You bring, you know...
1: Yeah, but there weren't 20,000 ducks. But if, it was, if there was 20,000 <laughs> ducks... <laughs> That's just a lot of good hunting, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, but at the same at the same time, emus emus are very they're just body and feather.
2: That's true. Um,
1: because and this this is a quote by uh, Major Meredith, sorry, Sir George Pierce Major Meredith of fair. the Royal Australian. Australia. they put someone quite notable in charge of this for this debacle. <laughs> yeah. He said. If we had a military division with bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. You see, I just... Yeah.
2: I, I find it very hard to, to wrap my head around. Again, <laughs> so... If you look at an emu feather, yes, it's quite long. And obviously, so obviously, like, how like, I've actually never seen a, an emu skinned naked. So I'm not sure how much bird is actually there and maybe how much is Maybe you can't.
1: Maybe you can't. Skin them.
2: Well, I'm assuming you can pluck them. Like, what's it? Actually, yeah. I'm just going to
1: Google <laughs> plucked e and just see <laughs> if I can Inu. find out.
2: because <laughs> um, there has to be some reason.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, well yeah. Um, so uh, while Chris is googling that, a few few little fun facts. The amount of damage these twenty thousand emus were doing to crops. Let me just um. Let's let me share with you the dietary habits of emus. They drink up to eight eighteen liters of water a day and will eat up to two pounds of food a day. So times that by twenty thousand. They're gonna need a lot of food.
2: Um So okay, they're a fairly big they're basically I mean, you skin body them. Mass. It's a basically a large bird, like a chicken yeah. or some such. Just with long legs, yeah. so there is a there is not like all oh, the feathers are taken. Most of them, no, it's actually like all meat, mostly meat.
1: So, not sure how you're not hitting them when you shot with a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, att- we had two attempts at killing them, and then basically, after, out of 20,000, they killed about you know 986, I think it was. Yeah, so in the end. Major Meredith claimed 986 birds had been shot dead with 9,860 bullets. So 10 rounds per bird.
2: That's not a good ratio.
1: (laughs) No, it's really not.
2: I mean, that's not... Yeah, that's not ideal in any... uh, No. In any real or... it It just sounds
1: like they weren't really prepared for it. Um... (laughs) And, and <laughs> wait, 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 wait! wait. Well, You're saying they're not no, they prepared weren't, for war. They weren't, they weren't prepared for the outcome of the, the loss. Yeah. <laughs> you not
2: okay, but
1: look. In the end, it all worked out because they, the government, put a bounty out, and then mm. you know they killed quite civilians, killed quite a fair bit of.
2: That brings us of the okay. So. How, what what did, did the civilians have like <laughs> silver coated bullets and mystical charms to fight these demons? That's a good question. Like, was it simply the fact there's that that but you got to
1: remember? It was the Great Depression. Yes. So not everyone had money, uh-huh. and they said, if you go kill an emu, you will get money.
2: Did they fight them with swords and like went hand to hand with these birds? Was that the best way? To- like maybe maybe they are maybe they're immune to bullet fire, but. Not arrows or swords.
1: Um, we don't... Know.
2: This, is, <laughs> this is a mystery. <laughs> I know, I mean.
1: we, we hear about the start and the loss, but we don't hear about how they did the bounties. Because if they can withstand machine gun fire... <laughs> But not like a club
2: or a rake. <laughs> or, exactly. Or, or a pitchfork. And also, also I was <gasps> Silver. <laughs> Again, they <that's laughs> They had silver tipples. As I was looking for the plucked emu, apparently there's also like something I was arrested for basically going around plucking emus in the wild. So I'm assuming, like, wow. so I'm assuming they're, not the, they're not the smartest bird in the universe. No, well,
1: they're, they're not. They don't walk backwards, obviously. But um, also,
2: as the indigenous used to hunt them, they used to have like these sticks that looked like an emu's head, and they used to wear a bush and walk up to them, and the emu be like, oh, "Oh, that's like a, that's like," <laughs> they would walk up to it, and they would club them to death. So it's not like that. It's not like there's an element of vast intelligence, yeah. No, that's and that's,
1: that's, that's, that, that's really ironic. Um, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's a bit of, a little bit of Australian history for you there. Um,
2: well, about epic military, yes.
1: Hey, look look, we've done a lot we've done a lot of good things in war we've had a lot of victories and this is probably our most embarrassing one
2: okay so let's look at the defeats of a nation shall we just of the of the the superpowers so britain you'd say lost to america the rising power of the time (laughs) because they had to ship troops basically six months via boat from one side of the country like to to the colony When they decided that the war was over was because obviously it was no longer financially feasible to basically send that many soldiers over there. And also there was people saying, well, then it's the colonies who cares, blah, blah, blah. We still own Canada. We have all the fur to trade. (laughs) America lost to the Viet Cong because obviously they weren't prepared for the vicious fight of jungle, hand-to-hand, trench warfare. Or no, some trench warfare, tunnels, traps, a different kind of warfare. And And a soldier with vastly determined... Um, fighting and, and significant fighting capability. Australia loses
1: to birds. <laughs> they were big birds. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> and there were lots of sheer numbers. <laughs> no, Chris. Sorry, sheer I'm numbers. Sorry. So it
2: does actually um go back to a saying that says, you know, a a determined resistance will always beat a well organised uh, military.
1: Well, there were hungry birds. <laughs> They were very hungry, a determined
2: resistance, obviously, and those always will always be superior and now we have them on our coat of arms, and we had them beforehand, but I, I raised questions
1: yeah, um so yeah, to our American listeners or anyone out there yeah they they did get put on the uh, coat of arms because of this No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing be if amazing. they did out of out of respect for this amazing animal wa- that can't walk backwards
2: is that i mean I know that's the reason why they're on there,
1: yeah kangaroos and is because they can't walk backwards
2: yeah we're the only nation in the world that we're allowed to shoot and eat our of
1: arms <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> that's 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 I mean look, I've had kangaroo it tastes pretty good with
2: bacon obviously
1: no, I had, a, I had a raw. Like right. it was, I was at a supermarket, and then they're like, "Here, try some kangaroo." And I was like, "You know what? I've had. It's it not go. bad, but there's, certain there's ways just no fat in it." There's certain
2: ways you cook it that's good, but if you do, apparently yeah. if you cook it with bacon, it's quite, it's yeah. quite good. Oh, bacon. anything's good with bacon. Obviously, like it's bacon, uh, bacon wrap bacon. I mean, that's just yeah. you know.
1: Mmm. Mmm. Mm.
2: Bacon wrap <sighs> bacon. All
1: right. Shall we leave the um, emus behind now? Um, I'll move on to someone that I think you, Chris would love
0: mm-hmm.
1: his name was Mad Jack Churchill he fought in World War Two with a long sword bow and arrow and bagpipes.
2: I mean if that's not a man who understands the concept of war
1: but his this his, his, his is this is a thing that he used to say any officer who goes into action without his sword is improperly dressed mm. would you agree with that? 100% <laughs> that's that's
2: to me, that is a, a man that um, is who understands that there's a bit of theatrics required in, in warfare.
1: Yeah. Well, look, look, I've, I've, you know, I, I looked a fair bit into, into him. There's, there's a book about him that's so hard to find because every, everybody probably has it, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> except me. Um, but yeah, so in the in the book history of the Second World War. It noted that Churchill encouraged his men by playing his bagpipes. In fact, Churchill leaped into action, playing the March of the Cameron Men on his pipes, and then hurled his first grenade before <laughs> charging onwards. I mean, why isn't this a movie?
2: Um, because people would probably go, "That's unbelievable! You're telling you're telling lies."
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So he, he was wearing a basket-hilted sword of the Clayburg type. So clearly,
2: obviously, I mean, from the sounds of his attire. Was he of of Scottish ancestry? I don't I don't
1: think he was. Because I there's, think there's, I
2: there's, think he was The type of sword he's using would yeah. would um Clay, the um hilted sword, that, I think from from memory I could be wrong. That's like a sword of the high like I, the um, highlanders used to wear in the British yeah. Army.
1: I don't from memory, I don't think he was born there, but I think he, he may have served under someone or knew someone, or somehow like he gave he got great respect for it. I, mm. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's it's hard to find a lot of information on this guy
2: which is again surprising but...
1: yeah um yeah so some of his achievements when he was when his company was trapped after the battle of Le Epinet, mm-hmm. near, near Bethune um Churchill killed the first approaching Nazi soldier with his longbow <laughs> then used two machine guns to fight back until they ran out of ammunition um, this guy is like a hero um <laughs> He managed to get the remainder of his company to safety by leading them through the enemy lines at night, despite being shot in the shoulder. Wow. Later, later he was captured and taken to a concentration camp, tunneled his way out, only to be captured again, taken to another POW camp in Austria, escaped that one, and walked to Italy to find the war was over. <laughs> and his last quote was, or, of, or what he said when he arrived at Italy was if it wasn't for those damn yanks we wouldn't have kept the war going another 10 years wow <laughs> clearly this man loved war
2: wow
1: um um something something his kid said when he got back from the war like and he's gone back to regular life um on his way home on the train from one of his jobs he used to take the passengers by surprise by suddenly flinging his briefcase out of the window what they didn't know was that he was aiming it accurately into his garden as the train passed so he didn't have to carry his briefcase home. Wow. That's crazy. It's like, I can't be bothered carrying my bag all the way home. There's my home. (laughs) Mm.
2: That is um, weird. Yeah.
1: But, you know, my kind of guy. Um, And at home, according to his son, he was a peace-loving and unassuming man. People... At home. (laughs) um, People are less likely to shoot you if you smile at them, that was another one of his favorite sayings. But from
2: my understanding, he's the only person to have gotten a bow kill during that war.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, recorded. <laughs> recorded bow kill. Yeah, obviously. Like. And, um, oh, if you're listening, Hollywood make a movie on this guy because he just is just incredible.
2: I can I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand how this is not already a movie.
1: Yeah. Oh well, eventually. Um. All right, so I was scrounging around the internet for some random stories. Um, I remembered one that my father told me from a book he was reading, where um, Australian soldiers, I think, I think this was World War Two, but Australian soldiers found a casket of wine and they buried it with a sign that said "dead horse." Like so, because a lot of horses died. Yep, yep. Um, no one's going to dig up a dead horse. A dead horse, no. But the Brits saw them digging it up on the way back. Then proceeded to go around digging up all the dead horses, oh, <laughs> thinking, thinking that, that there, there was wine. <laughs> nice. I mean, that's a little... That's a little <laughs> sneaky. Yeah. Um. I mean,
2: obviously, obviously, they weren't willing to share their wine, obviously. Yeah, there was no. um, yeah. a lack of sharing of wine.
1: Yeah, clearly. Um. So, this one I got from Reddit. Um. This guy says uh, his grandfather, George, was manning the 50 Cal on the back of a jeep as his unit was on patrol. As they round the bend, George spots a single German soldier walking through the woods about 50 yards off. He watches the soldier walk up to a tree, drop his pants, (laughs) and proceed to, well, you know, um, poop. (laughs) Mm -hmm. In George's own words, he said, I didn't have the heart to kill a man with his pants down. So instead... George fires his sights on the small pile gathering at the German's feet, and lets off a few rounds of the (laughs) fifty (laughs) cal. And the soldier leaps to his feet and takes off through the woods, pants around his ankles. Wow. Um. That's funny. (laughs) Would you do that in (laughs) Walkers?
2: That would be. That would be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely do that. That would be. That would be something I would. Yes.
1: <laughs> Fire up the man pooping.
2: Um, I mean, essentially, I'd. I'd want to know. Would it? Would that force him to poop even, even more?
1: I think it would have. He would have run out.
2: Or would it increase? Like, was he having? Was he having difficulty pooping? <laughs> I don't. Want and to. then the shot basically sped up the process.
1: I think it would have been like an auto release, just whoosh, all at once. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Hundred uh, percent. On that disturbing note, let's move to the American Civil War. <sighs> do you have any? top hats. Do you have any stories from the American Civil War? I have many. Um, something, something random or? or... It's,
2: there, it's not really random, but essentially, that's one of the. If, if you look at the um, the death rate in that one specifically. They had such a high casualty rate, not because obviously there was. um, Not not because of the the weaponry and technology, or a little bit. It's because they were still in. They were still fighting a Napoleonic style of warfare, but with actually accurate rifles. Hmm. So, with a musket you know it's you you need to basically have them in fairly close proximity you're firing large ranks of muskets at yeah. someone they would then obviously fall um the british were the first to deploy a single or or, or crossed over line formation where they would basically deploy thirty thousand muskets at a single target this is what the french were still using block formations as they uh, at the battle of waterloo that's why they were absolutely slaughtered yeah but then obviously those line tactics were then sort of um developed and then used around the world uh, then civil war, they were basically lining up at each other, firing rifled-barreled rifles yeah. at each other, <laughs> um, and they're wondering why they're having so many deaths under war. <laughs> they were also doing very conventional, um, still very conventional war tactics at the time, which is basically hmm. charging an enemy line with yep. you know bayonets, which is very good, except if the opposing side has machine guns and also um, also accurate yep. rifles. But the reason why that tactic continue on to the first world war is because often the charge was successful because of yeah. just the sheer number of soldiers being thrown <laughs> up in and everyone loves Zach Brennan from Futurama yeah and, you know, and there's, there's a scene that he makes there's a there's a joke that he makes which is the best one which is basically where he talks about how he was um we've he beat the kill box. Where he says, I realized that they had a, a preset kill limit, so I just sent waves and waves and waves of soldiers <laughs> until they hit their kill limit and turned it off. That's how General Grant fought his war. <laughs> wow. And that's how America, if you look at, because they, they study his tactics and then they've as his doctrine. And you look at basically America at like you know Normandy and all the other wars they've fought. They've the, the really carried upon his method of fighting, which is essentially if you outnumber the enemy, just even if you take horrific casualties, just keep pushing forward because yeah. you will eventually, like, you can take the losses, they can't. Yeah. And that's how he ended up winning against um, General Grant, which is, you know, uh, sorry, um, General Lee, the already opposing yeah. general, who he was considered at the time, like, the greatest t- t- tactician. He was winning. He was beating Union forces with much smaller armies and with rapid, quick succession of tactics, but then Grant got in charge and realized he had more men than him, yeah. <laughs> and then just basically pushed them forward until eventually he was losing tens and thousands of soldiers a day. Grant, uh, sorry, Lee was losing you know five thousand, bit more sometimes, but Grant had the reinforcements, and so he had the men to continue. I think yeah. in one battle he lost an entire core of an army as in like literally an entire core of beating multiple battalions and then the next day he just came back and said oh yeah bad day but we'll get him next we'll are going we'll get him tomorrow mm. and this, did the same thing again the, the papers at the time called him a butcher because of how yeah. basically how like
1: many deaths there were but
2: yeah.
1: pushed through in one so
2: <laughs> hey doesn't matter how you get the W <laughs> all that matters is you get the W I guess
1: yeah funny well um I got a report from an actual... Um, what is it? It's from Alicia Hunt Rhodes, All for the Union, page 183, September 21, mm-hmm. 1864. Speaking of the Battle of Opequan Creek on September 19, 1864. So this was the guy's report. Mm-hmm. He said, a rebel battery inflate, inflated our brigade and shot striking the horse of Struck the horse of the captain commanding. who was commanding the 5th Wisconsin Vols. Um, it then bounded down the line of the regiment and wounded several men. The horse, a large white animal, had part of its flank shot off and started on a run with his tail hanging by a bit of flesh. Mm. The captain jumped to his feet and shouted, there goes my beepin' horse, my beepin' haversack, my beepin' blankets, my beepin' canteen. And he also named over all these traps that that went off on his horse, and yeah, so the yeah he was swearing his head off, but <laughs> naming everything that he's just lost. Um, notwithstanding the fact that the shot and shell were plunging into our brigade, the group of officers, including myself, who witnessed this scene, were rolling on the sand convulsed with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> they had to change their position for the rebels. Seem to have the exact range of our line. <laughs> <'Cause, laughs> <'cause, laughs> <laughs> seems to laugh in their own Because <laughs> <laughs> your commanders, your commanders, they going. My <laughs> his head, I'm going, and naming everything he's lost. <laughs> 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 I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's. Oh,
2: that is that is again. Okay. That's mm. funny yeah. because that is just. The,
1: and the, it's, it's 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 very interesting. Like because you, you know how like war is very brutal and it's you know tragic in a lot of mm. a lot of time but it's people ma- humanity still seems to find things funny throughout the tough things well, uh, that go uh, on
2: absolutely i mean that's that's the, that's the thing it's um, i think i think um particularly in this particular war uh, the american civil war there were in, in certain states there were people from Essentially, sometimes even the same family basically fighting against each other because yeah. of basically where they drew the line down. Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's, it's the concept of brother versus brother, and that yeah. was this war, and that was this war more than any other. Yeah. Um, and it, but you know, his stories about that, like you know, meetings over dead no, no man's land over Christmas, and you know, there was there was a humanity towards it um, that modern warfare actually since Vietnam really seems they don't seem to have We've seen to been lost or forgotten yeah
1: but um yeah look so that was a very good episode <laughs> a lot of funny stuff so we're going to wrap up here and um like I say all the time if you have any stories if you know any war stories if you have any funny things that have happened to you just send us an email at the true and the fictional at gmail.com and we'll uh, be happy to read out your story or even get you to come on so um, thank you for coming Chris and thank you for listening okay.